Hello, hello, and welcome back to another episode of Knowing Me, Knowing You with Paula. Yep, I am your host, Paula, on the West Coast of Canada. Welcome back to my returning listeners and followers. And if this is your first time tuning in, well, hello and welcome. This episode sits within my Know Yourself series, and I'm going to get straight into the action. We're going to be talking about positive thinking, the power of positive thinking, and why our attitude matters. A lot of my information share is from a superb article that I came across by James Clear, and he is the author of Atomic Habits, and I share the article details in the show notes, as well as some other wonderful resources. At the end of this uh, conversation, I will end with some tips, tricks, exercises, all the tools to aid us into working that positive mindset muscle. And right at the end, I share with you a beautiful Hindu proverb, many ways to win, which was uh, which I recently came across in one of James Clear's um, newsletters. So let's get right into it, shall we? I'm far from alone in experiencing negative thoughts. According to the Cleveland Clinic, the average person has 60,000 thoughts per day. Of those thoughts, listen to this listeners, 95% repeat each day, and on average, 80% of repeated thoughts are negative. So here is a question to ponder on. Do we control our thoughts? We are aware of a tiny fraction of the thinking that goes on in our minds. That's a good thing, right? And we can control only a tiny part of our conscious thoughts. The vast majority of our thinking efforts goes on in our subconscious life. Now that's interesting, right? In a world where so much is happening, especially now more than ever, from viruses to the fires to floods, earthquakes, human rights abuse, mental health issues, how can we feel positive or remain in a somewhat positive state of mind all the time? pretty difficult. If you and I care about the world we live in and think of ourselves on a more global scale and do not close off our mindset to just me, myself and I, it can be difficult to maintain a constant road of happy and positive thought processing and outlook on life. To remain optimistic at the same time being pragmatic is important. As we all know, life in itself can have its challenges, and we are constantly barraged with how we should be acting, how we should be dressing, speaking, thinking, living, what we should be driving, how we should be our being, and how we should be feeling. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Social media and the media, I'm sure you will agree, plays a major part in our everyday psyche. Reality versus reality. A curated lifestyle of being based on digital behavior and what is thrown to us in advertisements, the news, and social media. We are living in a time of extreme division, erosion of social cohesion, and witnessing the fraying of our cultural fabric, political unrest, and more. So, question is, How do we maintain a positive mindset 
think positive and be positive in our world today? Pretty good question. I wanted to start somewhere where we look at optimism versus pessimism. What is an optimistic versus pessimistic attitude? I did a little bit of a Google research, and this is what came up in Wikipedia. Optimism is an attitude reflecting a belief or hope that the outcome of some specific endeavor or outcomes in general will be positive, favorable, and desirable. Therefore, optimism is to have a positive outlook. And obviously, this is important for both our mental and physical state. Now, we all know that the opposite of being optimistic is being a pessimist. Do you know any pessimists? Well, this is what Wikipedia has to share. Pessimism is a negative mental attitude, we know that already, in which an undesirable outcome is anticipated from a given situation. Pessimists tend to focus on the negatives of life in general. For a pessimist, an optimistic outlook may seem delusional or simple in some way. That there is an avoidance of responsibility or reality. And so when someone says to look at the brighter side, to not worry about anything or worry about everything because it will all work out in the end, it can be annoying to a pessimist. But true optimism is about perspective and mindset shifting. It's about making choices. It is not about living in la-la land in our heads or living in denial. It is about being realistic, changing the narrative, putting things into perspective, managing the obstacles in bite sizes to eliminate overwhelm, and accepting responsibility for what is and finding a way to fix it or adapt as best possible to the circumstances. Whilst in a recent conversation with my friend Priscilla Barrios, now she is a life coach and she works mainly with women, I asked her, why does our attitude matter? And she said, well, you know, our normal cognitive behavioral thinking is to act and react. And with that reaction, we have a feeling within our body. Right, And we have a choice to either act in a positive or a negative manner. But we need to ensure that if it is a situation that is negative, that we need to assess whether we want to actually change the loop to dissipate the negative energy. And that at the end of the day, like I'd said before, it's about being realistic, about changing the narrative, putting things into perspective, managing the obstacles. What can I control? What can't I control? What can I change? What can't I change? What is needed to be accepted? So is there science behind positive thinking? Well, there is. And so I'm going to share with you this article that James Clear shared and I discovered during my uh, research on this topic. Now, he shares with us that positive thinking sounds useful on the surface. 
And most of us, which I love this, would prefer to be positive rather than negative. But positive thinking is also a soft and fluffy term that is easy to dismiss. In the real world, it rarely carries the same weight as words like work ethic or persistence. Now, what do you think about that, listeners? But he says those views may be changing. Research is beginning to reveal that positive thinking is about much more than just being happy or displaying an upbeat attitude. Positive thoughts can actually create real value in our life and help us build skills that last much longer than a smile. Now, I like that thought. And James goes on to say that the impact of positive thinking on our work, our health, and our life is being studied by people who are much smarter than us. And I know definitely much smarter than me. And one of these people is Barbara Fredrickson. Barbara Fredrickson is a positive psychology researcher at the University of North Carolina. And she published a landmark paper that provides surprising insights about positive thinking and the impact on our skills. Her work is among the most referenced and cited in her field, and it is surprisingly useful in everyday life. So I'm going to share with you Fredrickson's discovery. The first insight is what negative thoughts do to our brain. So I'm going to share with you a story, if you will play along with me for a moment. Let's say that we're walking through the forest and suddenly a tiger steps out onto the path ahead of us. When this happens, our brain registers a negative emotion. And in this case, you probably guessed right, listeners, it's fear. Researchers have long known that negative emotions program our brain to do a specific action when that tiger crosses our path. For example, we run. The rest of the world doesn't matter. We are focused entirely on the tiger, the fear it creates, the adrenaline that's pumping through our bodies, the fight or flight response, and how we can get away. That is what we're focused on. In other words, negative emotions narrow our mind and focus our thoughts. At that same moment, we might have the option to climb a tree, pick up a leaf, or grab a stick. But our brain ignores all those options because they seem irrelevant when a tiger is standing in front of us. This is a useful instinct if we're trying to save our life. But in our modern society, we don't have to worry about stumbling across tigers in the wilderness. The problem is that our brain is still programmed to respond to negative emotions in the same way, by shutting off the outside world and limiting the options we see around us. Makes sense, right? For example, when we're in a fight with someone, our anger and emotion might consume us to the point where we can't think about anything else. Or when we are stressed out about everything we have to get done today, we may find it hard to actually start anything because we're paralyzed by how long our to-do list has become. Or if we feel bad about not exercising not eating healthy, all we think about is how little willpower we have, how we're lazy, 
and how we don't have any motivation. Does any of this sound familiar, listeners? James goes on to say, in each case, our brain closes off from the outside world and focuses on the negative emotions of fear, anger, and stress. Just like it did with the tiger. Negative emotions prevent our brain from seeing the other options and choices that surround us. It's our survival instinct. What do you think? Now let's compare this to what positive emotions do to our brain. And this is where Barbara Fredrickson returns with another story. Now we go on to insight number two. What positive thoughts do to our brain. Fredrickson tested the impact of positive emotions on the brain by setting up a little experiment. During this experiment, she divided her research subjects into five groups and showed each group different film clips. The first two groups were shown clips that created positive emotions. Group one saw images that created feelings of joy. Group two saw images that created feelings of contentment. Group three was a control group. They saw images that were neutral and produced no significant emotion. The last two groups were shown clips that created negative emotions. Group four saw images that created feelings of fear. Group five saw images that created feelings of anger. Afterward, each participant was asked to imagine themselves in a situation where similar feelings would arise and to write down what they would do. Each participant was handed a piece of paper with 20 blank lines that started with the phrase, I would like to. Participants who saw images of fear and anger wrote down the fewest responses. Meanwhile, the participants who saw images of joy and contentment wrote down a significantly higher number of actions that they would take, even when compared to the neutral group. In other words, when we are experiencing positive emotions like joy and contentment and love, we will see more possibilities in our life. These findings were among the first that suggested positive emotions broaden our sense of possibility and open our mind up to more options. But that was just the beginning. The really interesting impact of positive thinking happens later. So now we move on to insight number three. Now I hope you are finding this interesting listeners and you might be taking down some notes. Insight number three is how positive thinking builds our skill set. The benefits of positive emotions don't stop after a few minutes of good feelings subside. In fact, the biggest benefit that positive emotions provides is an enhanced ability to build skills and develop resources for use later in life. So again, let's consider a real-world example. A child who runs around outside, swinging on branches and playing with friends, develops the ability to move athletically, physical skills. 
the ability to play with others and communicate with a team, social skills, and the ability to explore and examine the world around them, creative skills. In this way, the positive emotions of play and joy prompt the child to build skills that are useful and valuable in everyday life. Something to think about, right? These skills last much longer than the emotions that initiated them. Years later, that foundation of athletic movement might develop into a scholarship as a college athlete, or the communication skills may blossom into a job offer as a business manager. The happiness that promoted the exploration and creation of new skills has long since ended, but the skills themselves live on. Fredrickson refers this as the broaden and build theory because positive emotions broaden our sense of possibilities and opens our mind, which in turn allows us to build new skills and resources that can provide value in other areas of our life. As we discussed earlier, negative emotions do the opposite. Why? Because building skills for future use is irrelevant when there is immediate threat or danger, like the tiger on the path. All of this research begs the most important question of all. If positive thinking is so useful for developing valuable skills and appreciating the big picture of life, How do we actually get ourselves to be positive? We move on to our final insight. Insight number four, how to increase positive thinking in our lives. What we can do to increase positive emotions and take advantage of the broaden and build theory, which I just shared in insight number three. Well, anything that sparks feelings of joy, contentment and love will do the trick. We probably know that things work well for us. We know what those things are. What do you think, listeners? Maybe take a moment here to just quickly jot down what sparks feelings of joy and contentment and love for you. Maybe it's playing a favorite instrument. Maybe it's spending time with certain people, reading your favorite book. Maybe it's spending time in nature. Hiking, perhaps? So James continues on to share three wonderful ideas for us to consider. Idea number one. You probably won't be surprised by this. Maybe you will. Meditation. Recent research by Fredrickson and her colleagues has revealed that people who meditate daily display more positive emotions than those who do not. And as expected, people who meditated also built valuable long-term skills. For example, three months after the experiment was over, the people who meditated daily continued to display increased mindfulness, purpose in life, social support, and decreased illness symptoms. Now we move on to idea number two, which is writing. Now, the great thing here, listeners, before I go on is this is something that we can put into action right away and a fantastic 
exercise to try. This study, published in the Journal of Research in Personality, examined a group of 90 undergraduate students who were split into two groups. The first group wrote about an intensely positive experience each day for three consecutive days. The second group wrote about a control topic. Three months later, the students who wrote about a positive experience or their positive experiences had better mood levels, fewer visits to the health center, and experienced fewer illnesses. Now, after reading this, listeners, this resonated with me because I thought, wow, so easy for us to put this into practice right away. So I have a challenge for you. Perhaps you want to start adding this to your daily journaling, to your gratitude journal, or perhaps just something new to start. Every single day, take note of the positive experiences that happen in your daily life. And at the end of every week, reflect back and check in with yourself. What else positive has come out of that? Your mindset. Have you noticed a mindset shift? So now we move on to our final idea. And we're almost at the end of this episode. Idea number three is play. Schedule time to play into your life. We schedule meetings, conference calls, weekly events, and other responsibilities into our daily calendars. Why not schedule playtime? When was the last time you blocked out an hour on your calendar just to explore an experiment? When was the last time you intentionally carved out time to have fun? James continues on to say, you can't tell me that being happy is less important than your Wednesday meeting. And yet we act like it is because we never give it a time and space to live in our calendars. So here's another exercise, listeners. Start slotting in playtime in your daily schedule. Give yourself permission to smile and enjoy the benefits of positive emotion. Schedule time for play and adventure so that you can experience contentment and joy and explore and build new skills. James goes on to share happiness versus success. Which comes first? What do you think, listeners? There's no doubt that happiness is the result of achievement. Winning a championship, landing a better job, finding someone we love. These things will bring joy and contentment to our lives. We can't disagree with that. But so often, we wrongly assume that this means happiness always follows success. And James poses the following questions to us. How often have we thought, if I get blank, then I'll be set? Or, once I achieve blank, I'll be satisfied. Does this perhaps sound like you, listeners, putting off happiness until you achieve some arbitrary goal? Fredrickson's Broaden and Build theory proves happiness is essential to building the skills that allow for success. In other words, 
Happiness is both the precursor to success and the result of it. In fact, researchers have often noticed a compounding effect or an upward spiral that occurs with happy people. They are happy, so they develop new skills. Those skills lead to new success, which results in more happiness and the process repeats itself. Finding ways to build happiness and positive emotions into our lives, whether it is through meditation, writing, playing, or anything else, provides more than just a momentary decrease in stress and a few smiles. Periods of positive emotion and unhindered exploration are when we see the possibilities for how our past experiences fit into our future life. When we begin to develop skills that blossom into useful talents later on, and when we spark the urge for further exploration and adventure. James says, to put it simply, seek joy, play often, and pursue adventure. Your brain will do the rest. Wow, what a great article. So again, it's James Clear, and he is the author of Atomic Habits. And in the show notes is a clickable link to this article if you'd like to go and have a read. You can also then sign up for his newsletter there. And here's a wealth of tips and information shared through his newsletter. And there are some other clickable links to some other resources around this great topic of positive thinking and the effects on our brain. I would like to leave you with some takeaways, just a brief overview. Let us not forget, as humans, by nature, we are optimistic. But when we are faced with a negative situation, we can be optimistic, but we have to be realistic. We have to find a balance between the positive and the sensible. We can teach ourselves to see the glass half full. And it comes from building our resilience to weather any storm. We can train our brain to look on the brighter side, being optimistic, seeing the brighter side, seeking the sunshine through the clouds, seeking that silver lining is like a muscle. It can be trained. I want to share with you this quote by William James, an American philosopher and psychologist. And he said, the greatest weapon against stress is our ability to choose one thought over another. Both negative and positive thought do have an impact on our well-being. Positive mindset and positive thinking build our skill set. We've just learned this from insight number three, right? How positive thinking builds our skill set. Being optimistic, seeing the brighter side, seeking the sunshine through the clouds is like a muscle. We can train that muscle. We can train our brain to look on the brighter side. We can divert and reframe. It's important as well that we check in with ourselves regularly, take responsibility for our thoughts, our actions, our emotions. What is our verbal, our nonverbal communication? What is the language we use with ourselves, positive or negative? And here is a simple tip. 
when you're faced with a negative situation. Ask yourself this. Can I change this current situation? And can I accept what I cannot change? Here we have two choices, either to reframe the narrative or divert. When we focus on what we can control, we don't have a negative thought, even if it is a situation that is negative. If at any time we have a negative thought, we need to ask ourselves, can I control this? And if it is a yes, a resounding yes, get involved. If it is a resounding no, gather information and get into action with what you can control. The more we do this, the better we become in diverting and reframing the narrative. We must remember that the negative thought process usually sends us down a rabbit hole we do not want to go. Now, I have two wonderful episodes, in fact, three, in this Know Yourself series, and that's Sink Into the Good Vibrations, all about mindfulness and self-awareness, gratitude, and happy by your life. And in there, I share some wonderful exercises, tips, and tricks that you can put into action right away, and exercises that you can use to help enhance building that positive mindset muscle. So, I highly recommend you tune in if that's something you would like to do. In our Facebook group community, Knowing Me, Knowing You with Paula, there are some downloadable documents there for you as well. And lastly, something else that I recommend you do is complete an audit. It's important that we complete an audit of our lives. Think about the food you eat. Think about the activities you take part in. Think about the company that you keep. What you put into your minds, reading, watching on television. Does it spark joy, contentment? Uncertainty is around us now more than ever, and we can let that uncertainty derail us, or with the right tools and strategies, we can remain calm, focused, and steady, even when nothing else in life is. If you're feeling the stress and strain of uncertainty right now, it might be time for you to sharpen the tools you currently have, to stock up that toolbox with new strategies. And you can do this by working with a life or performance coach. And I have two previous guests that were on the show Angie Gira and Donna Brown, and their connection details are available in the show notes. And you can always tap in and tune into their episodes to learn a little more about them. And we have come to the end of this wonderful episode about positive thinking and our attitude. And I hope you had some great takeaways and gold nuggets. I invite you to join our Facebook group community, Knowing Me, Knowing You with Paula. All our connection details are clickable links in the show notes. There's a ton of other information there for you as well. Don't forget to rate, review, and share. We love you for the attention. I would like to know what you thought about this episode. What were your takeaways? 
And so before I leave you in our usual knowing me, knowing you fashion with a wonderful Hindu proverb, a quote I'd love to share with you, I wanted to extend my deepest thanks to you listeners for tapping in, for your support and opening yourself up to resetting your vibe and exploring the wealth of information to aid us in becoming our better selves as we explore and travel this journey we call life. And so with that said, I'm going to leave you in the usual knowing me, knowing you fashion with this wonderful Hindu proverb that James Clear shared in one of his newsletters on the many ways to win. There are hundreds of paths up the mountain, all leading in the same direction. So it doesn't matter which path you take, The only one wasting time is the one who runs around and around the mountain telling everyone that his or her path is wrong. Thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you. Till next time.